Being handicapped or disabled can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. Passenger seat and managing the radio is Shannon Hardinger. Shannon has a Bachelor of Science degree from North Carolina State University and a Doctor of Physical Therapy from Duke University. She holds her U.S. Soccer Federation D license and is a staff coach for Chicago FC United and is the head coach of the girls' soccer program at Loyola Academy. Shannon also oversees marketing communications for a U.S. youth soccer program titled Top Soccer. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me today. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk some soccer. But if we start getting off on a tangent, the show is going to change into something different. So we're just going to put a stop sign on that. Uh, you just had uh, a, uh, a training weekend uh, getaway with your, your high school girls team. Tell me about how that went. Um, it was actually a fantastic weekend. I'm the fortunate varsity soccer coach at Loyola Academy. Um, in the suburbs of Chicago. And this year I have 16 new players to my roster joining nine returners. So a weekend away was much needed as we Uh look to integrate the newcomers to our team. Um, It was a lot of fun, a lot of team building activities, high ropes courses, um, some fun, including a, um, I call it a dollar store fashion show where the girls have to create a fashion outfit using intentional materials. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun and a really great opportunity to get away before we really hit the field this week. Yeah. So regular training starts this week. Yes. We, okay, we well, officially begin tomorrow. When's your first match? Um, we, our first match is a week from Monday. So March okay. 13th. And you guys are going to really just start getting rolling then I'm sure. Yes, as long as the weather cooperates, as you know, in northern Illinois, that can be an issue this time of year. Well, I'm in central Wisconsin. We're hoping, I put a date, I think, of uh, April 4th for our players to be aware of that's when we're going to start training, and it's all going to come down to Mother Nature. We know that. Hey, tell me about your experience as a, a young soccer player, you know, as you were a kid. So I actually grew up in the South. I'm originally from South Carolina. And so I started playing in South Carolina where actually soccer wasn't the biggest sport um, there, especially for girls. So there really weren't any girls teams or girls travel teams where I grew up. So I was actually part of one of the first girls teams from South Carolina that really um, competed, you know, outside of our state regionally and nationally. Um, following, you know, my time as a youth soccer player, I ended up playing collegiately at North Carolina State, go Wolfpack. And um, after my playing days, transitioned into um, the coaching world. Are you still uh, playing on an adult team or anything at at this time? Unfortunately, I am not. Um, I have um, unfortunately suffered a few too many knee injuries. And so I hung up the boots officially probably about seven or eight years ago. Okay. Um, And you were an attack, you were an attacker. Did you go to college as an attacker or did you transition into the front? 
No, I've actually been a forward my whole life. I played um, for my high school team. I played as the center mid um, just because our, you know, usually we didn't have a lot of club players on my high school team. So um, I transitioned into that role, but primarily made my living as a forward. Okay. Well, make your living as a forward can be tough (laughs) at times, but yes, (laughs) yes, I totally understand that. How did, tell me about uh, getting into coaching. When, when did that all start really? So I was fortunate um, with going to school in the Triangle area of North Carolina to be around some really great soccer clubs. Um, So I got my start coaching with the Capital Area Soccer League, which has now transitioned to become, um, I think it's North Carolina Football Club. But um, at the time, Castle was one of the largest youth soccer clubs in the country, and it served kind of all different levels. So they had youth. They had kind of an intermediate level called Challenge, and then they had Classic, which was the Travel League. So I was fortunate to um, start coaching there and, you know, working with some of the younger players in the club and then was connected with some other coaches where I was an assistant coach. So that was really the start of my career. And then when I moved to the Chicago area after physical therapy school, I actually, one of my patients, her family was involved in soccer here, and they suggested that I reach out to the Trevian soccer club. And so I did. And then the rest is history. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we start going in one direction with this game and it, and it carries us all over the place. I can look back and at 40 years of coaching and just can't figure out how the heck did I get from one thing to the other opportunities just come up because you start rubbing elbows with certain people. They know people. And then you, you start going off in a different direction. Absolutely. And I think sometimes in my life, I thought maybe this is the end of my um, connection to soccer, the end of me working in soccer, and then it goes in a different direction. And it, It's never right. going to, Shannon. It's, it's, never, it's, it's never going to. No, you're in it. You're in it. You're a soccer rat. I'm in it forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, no pun intended here, but how did it go with juggling uh, soccer in your graduate studies? Um, that was very interesting. I, I, I do think I will say when I think about soccer, it's always helped me lead a fairly balanced life in that I've had to manage, I've had to manage my time, um, as a player and then especially in college as a student athlete. So I think as I was in physical therapy school at Duke, I was still coaching and I think it just helped my time management and really helped me like get down to studying when I needed to study, but it was also a nice break and some time away that I could clear my head and then be fully present for my time in PT school. So it was, it was a good way to balance, but yes, it was definitely a lot to juggle at the time, Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. but I'm, but I was used to it. So I think being a a college athlete really does force you to manage your time impeccably if you want to be successful. Oh yeah. One of those very important things. How did you end up transitioning and getting over to where you're coaching at Loyola Academy? Um, so, you know, again, through the connections of the soccer world, a player I had coached, her parents told me that the position at Loyola was open and reached out to me and thought that I might be a good fit. Um, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to make the leap to the high school game. Um, at the time I was really focusing on my day job as a physical therapist and I was focusing on top soccer. Um, but I did decide I wanted to interview and at least give it a shot. And then, you know, I think through the interview process, there was a lot at Loyola that spoke to me as a person and as a coach. And so when the offer was made, it was hard for me to say no, because it just, it felt right. So, and yeah, here I, I, did, years I later. did some digging. I did some digging into Loyola Academy. It seems like there's a lot to offer there and that yes. the type of kids that you're able to work with, are you pulling, able to pull 
kids and get a view of them from their clubs? I mean, uh, compared to when you were a kid, you mentioned that there weren't many club players uh, going around on the female side. Are you finding more club players that are able to come to you at Loyola? Absolutely. I think one of the things that really spoke to me this year was one of our assistant or sorry, one of my JV coaches is a former player from Loyola. And she commented on how the talent overall from all levels has really grown um, since her time playing, which was not that long ago. So I think to me, that's, that's a statement to what the clubs in our area are doing to develop young females. So you know, we pull from a lot of different clubs and we're not a club specific school at all. We really encourage our players to play where, you know, might fit best for them and their lifestyle. We have a lot of multi-sport athletes. So, you know, there may be a girl that plays club volleyball and wants to commit to club soccer, but maybe not at the same level as another player does. So we really encourage players to find what their fit is and, you know, hope that in the off season that they're getting touches on the ball and that they'll be ready to go usually in late February. So you're getting players that are uh, coming to you playing from the heart and they really want to be playing. I mean, it's so much easier working with kids like that, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you could see it from day one of tryouts, just like how excited the girls were to be out there. And I think the high school experience gives them something maybe a little bit different than their club does. Um, you know, they really have a lot of pride in playing for their school. So everything they approach with just a bit more intensity because it is exciting to play and represent your school. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, let's, venture off into top soccer. Now I found the acronym. I was wondering what top soccer meant. It's spelled capital T, capital O, capital P, capital S for soccer. So it's all together, top soccer. I found the acronym, the outreach program for soccer. Yes. That's simple. (laughs) It is. That just makes sense. I thought (laughs) it was going to be a little bit more elaborate than that, but the outreach (laughs) program for soccer. That's great. So the name says it all. (laughs) It does. How did you get in or involved with that through, now this is going through U.S. Youth Soccer Federation, correct? Correct. So it is going through the U.S. Youth Soccer, through U.S. Youth Soccer. Um, For me personally, I was doing one of my diploma courses through the, it's now called United Soccer Coaches, but at the time Uh it was called the NSCAA. And I was doing one of my diploma courses in, I believe I was in Elmhurst, Illinois. Um, We were all introducing ourselves and a gentleman by the name of Sean Danhauser started speaking and talked about his coaching and what he does. And he mentioned a program called Top Soccer and how, you know, it's a buddy soccer program um, that really pairs um, typically developing athletes with athletes with a variety of abilities. And he just kind of talked more and more about Top Soccer. And I, you know, my ears perked up and I was like, this sounds something like something I would really like to do. So um, we ended up connecting. And after that course, ended up starting the program at the club at Trevi and FC United where I was coaching, where I coach. How long have you been with top soccer? Oh, so <laughs> I, I always have to look because sometimes I really can't believe how long I've been with top soccer. Um, it, you know, it really is one of those things that is a true love. And so I feel like, you know, when I think about how many years it's been, um, I think we are on, if I have this correct, sorry, I have to like actually get, so our first season was in the fall of 2013. So okay. we are approaching our 10 year anniversary, which is okay. so exciting. Um, cool. You know, we t- there were a few seasons that we didn't play um, because of COVID, but we've, we typically run a program in the fall and in the spring. Okay. I'm going to go right now and open the tab uh, for the program, Top Soccer. And folks that are listening 
should understand that, uh, of course, the uh, link for that's going to be on um, Life's a Road Trip website. And I'm reading up about a symposium that's coming up. That's the, that's the first thing that pops up. And it says, U.S. US Youth Soccer is proud to announce the 2023 USYS Top Soccer National Symposium being held in the western suburbs of St. Louis from April 14 to 16. So that's coming up. It says it's a, a free event, brings together state associations and local program leaders from across the country to sharpen their skills in implementing top soccer within their state and communities, featuring a broad array of subject matter experts and motivational speakers. The symposium offers value for everyone from the most experienced top soccer coach to the novice looking for an introduction. This event is being held at the Sheraton Westport Airport or Westport. Um, tell us about the symposium. So this year's symposium is something we're all really excited about. I think, you know, um, I know there's been a lot of planning involved by members, some of my fellow members of the National Top Soccer Committee. Um, they've brought in some remarkable speakers to um, entertain and to educate the crowd um, or the attendees. Um, some of them include, you know, I think an OT and PT in a session that's called Partners in Practice. Um, again, this is all a draft. I, I, I'm pretty sure the final agenda is coming out. So this is some okay. inside information. But um, I think that, you know, again, as I was saying, OTs and PTs looking at partnerships and practice, looking at some sensory and behavior strategies um, that might be important in a session. Um, they've brought in, I think, an adaptive PE teacher, which would, you know, I work in the schools and I work very closely with APE. And so thinking about how some of the APE ideas may also apply in a top soccer session, um, they're bringing in one of the, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about is they're talking about bringing in um, a retired police officer who will talk about the connection between top soccer programs and first responders in the area. And I know that some of our programs have done some sessions with first responders and it's been a huge hit with parents and players all around. So um that's a session to look forward to. And then I think they're also going to talk about like festival planning and talk about some marketing and PR strategies. So just really a lot of great stuff on the um, agenda for the symposium. I'm extremely impressed. When, when I first started getting into U.S. soccer and coaching, my God, 40 years ago, um, none of this was there. And I actually first came across it. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's, it's uh, on the uh, top soccer uh, page. It's a video and it's available on YouTube. That's what I think it came across to me in an email from US Youth Soccer because I, I get that stuff all the time mm -hmm. as a coach. And I saw that video and then I that's when I started digging and I came across you and your title and I thought you were the person to write to and that's how we started and got to this point. So I'm extremely impressed with, well, also they're putting some money into this. Mm -hmm. Um not only just at the symposium, but overall. And then we'll get into it a little bit about the state associations. So I'm extremely pleased to know that uh, a sport that I'm so deep into is doing something that's so important. And I'm very happy to be talking to you about this too. So why don't you carry us off into talking more about the whole gamut of what's going on with Top Soccer and what it's all about. Yeah, so I think like you hit the nail on the head. I think U.S. youth soccer has made such a strong commitment in so many ways to top soccer. And I think you're seeing that all come into fruition with the symposium and just the presence of top soccer within the U.S. youth soccer organization. 
Um, if we really think about um, the athletes that U.S. youth serves, um, you know, they serve everyone. If you include top soccer, you know, so top soccer all the way up to the elite level athletes. So I think, you know, for me, being part of an organization that really thinks about everyone is really important. I think we know in our sport, um, there are so many leagues and there are so many opportunities for players to play. And I love that U.S. youth soccer has a program for for everyone, truly for everyone. Again, it's great. I'm going back to the website and I'm taking people through this as I went through it and mm-hmm. learning about the program. Uh, go down to benefits for participants. Oh, well, yes. first of all, Janet, explain what type of kid shows up for this. Um, so really top soccer, I know the program that I run, we we encourage anyone to come out to our sessions. We run, our sessions are free. Um, we're fortunate with the club. We have great support for uniforms and for balls and for other equipment. Um, so we're able to provide our program free of charge. And so I always tell parents who email me, um, who may seem nervous about their child having their first sport experience with us that really, um, because it's free, you're not committing to anything other than just giving us a try. And I realize that our program may not be for everyone, but I hope that everyone can get something out of it. Um, so we have children with all different levels of abilities and all different diagnoses. Um, you know, I, I could list off probably a hundred different <laughs> diagnoses that we have um, from our players, but really at the heart of it, um, we just have kids who have different, you know, who maybe learn differently, who communicate differently and who move differently. Um, and I think that's the beauty of top soccer is that there's no one way or there's no one player that we're looking for. We're truly just looking for anyone who wants to, wants to play soccer or may just want to come meet some really great people and hang out with their buddies. So we really offer a little bit for everyone. The video I think represents that quite well on the fun that's happening and and the uh, low um, pressure. I mean, Mm -hmm. no pressure. Yeah, I think that's probably for me the most important thing to maintain is that um, the kids feel safe when they come to our program and that, mm-hmm. you know, really there is no expectation for you're going to do X or you're going to do Y or you're going to do Z, that it's truly your the program can be what you want out of it. Um, you know, we have some kids who really are competitive and they love playing in our competitive small sided games. And then we have other kids who really don't, you know, they're just they want to work on their skills um, and they enjoy that opportunity to connect with their buddies um, socially. I always call this backyard soccer. And I mm-hmm. tried to present that when I first started started coaching when I was a freshman in college. That sort of attitude, of course, we'd have to have some drills and some things. But uh, but basically, back off towards the end of the training session and just let the kids go. Five aside, seven aside, you know, whatever. Because that's where they're going to pick it up. We're going to differentiate between those kids that are there because mom and dad paid for it. Or those kids are there because they just start loving the game. And I think that's the one way to rope these kids in and, and get them involved and, and start moving some things forward with where it's at. Right. And then when we think of just the benefits of sport in general, so any of any exactly. movement and health and wellness, I mean, there's so many benefits that we, we could probably talk for days just about the health benefits of, you know, oh, yeah. in a sport, but uh, athletics. it's even, you know, more important for some of our kids who may not, you know, have a lot of movement opportunities. So yeah, the the benefits are endless, and I and I think the benefits are mutual for the buddies and the players and even the coaches. I mean, I I know every week I leave there feeling um, just so great. My cup is so full after working with our athletes and our buddies. Um, but I do think the buddies get so much out of the experience as well, which is what 
um, you know, is really important. And I think contributes if they are a soccer player, it also contributes maybe to their formation as a soccer player as well. I want to ask you about the buddies, but first, because mm -hmm. the show is starting to take off, uh, we're yes. going to take a two second break in case someone, uh, we have advertisers that want to drop an ad in. So we'll be back in just a second. Okay. So tell me about buddies. Uh, I, I went into this, of course, from my perspective, thinking, oh, you got coaches and you have sides and stuff. But a lot of it is about the buddies. It, what, is a, is. what is a buddy at this program? So for our program, the buddies are right at the heart of our program with our players. Um, we, I'm fortunate because we're, I'm part of a soccer club where I can pull probably 80% of my buddies from the club. Um, you know, so that's an easy ask is to get the players to come out to the field, um, you know, at least once per season. We obviously want to see them as many times as possible, but at least once to, to see what our program is about. And then from there, they often bring a friend or a sibling Cool. Um, or their teammates, which is awesome. But really, the buddies are the true coaches on the field. I think we give them a blueprint, but the buddies are the ones who are really facilitating the session, um, which is is a beautiful thing to watch. Um, you know, and I and I think I love that the buddies have you know the buddies recognize what their players need as well. And sometimes you know the buddies might realize that their player may not want to kick the soccer ball too much today, and instead talk with them. Or sometimes you know they're working on different skills, they're showing them different moves, they're or they're helping them play whatever games that we're playing. So what's a typical age for a buddy? So I think that couldn't vary like between programs, but I know in our program, we typically have um, kids who are 12 and older that are buddies. We've, we've occasionally incorporated some junior buddies within our program and I'll typically pair them up with an older buddy, um, which has been awesome because they can also yeah. help facilitate yeah. the session as well. So I think we typically stick to 12 and older and then, you know, we'll pull in some junior buddies who express an interest and want to be a part of it. So it's one thing leads to another. You can start them off as a junior buddy and then maybe next, the next year or two years and they might have a brother or sister. I mean, it, it just starts to expand. Yes. I've learned never to say no to someone who wants to volunteer for something. So yeah. <laughs> I figure let's find a way. And I'll be honest, you know, with if a parent emails me and maybe the buddy's not quite ready to handle it, I'll give them that feedback. But for the most part, the junior buddies have really enhanced the experience for our Very players. Cool. So. Very cool. Now you mentioned earlier, did I pick it up? Uh, make sure that this is correct. So it's a ratio of one to one player to buddy. A lot Hopefully. of that depends on our numbers. each mm -hmm. week. So sometimes we can actually have two buddies to one player. Um, sometimes we do want two buddies to one player, but depending on our numbers, there are weeks where I actually can have three players or three buddies per one player. So we typically one to one is our, you know, gold standard, but we're always happy to have more buddies if needed. Okay. Okay. I want to go down the list now. And I'm still on the uh, USU soccer page, you mm -hmm. know, going on top soccer, uh, getting started. I'll yes. read a couple of these. Identify the need in your area for what type of disabilities you uh, need to plan. Are you able to fulfill these needs? Check for any restrictions placed on the facility to plan to use. Check it. Of course, here we go. A big caveat, soccer insurance carrier. We know that that's important. Yes. So it looks like, there's a, like you mentioned before, there is a blueprint that USC Soccer uses. And now I'm going to click on my state association, uh, Wisconsin Youth Soccer. And I go on to their page under mm -hmm. Top Soccer. Yes. And I'm looking at, we've got a program administrator of Megan Ward. I yes. do know of Megan. Yes. And um, I'm looking down at what's coming up. So this is for 2023. 
it states, we are continuing the WYSA, Wisconsin Youth Soccer Association, Top Soccer Sessions. The sessions uh, session is for top soccer athletes, individuals, cognitive or physical disabilities who are looking for a competitive environment to further their soccer skills. This is open to males and females ages 13 to 20. That's a nice broad range. Age mm-hmm. exceptions can be made with a recommendation from a local coach. So it's, it's loose. I mean, that's the way it should be. Now, session information. Interesting how the, the timing is, but this uh, episode, actually, Shannon, is going to drop after this starts. So March 12, 19, and 26 are when these sessions are, and they're going to be at uh, Eline Soccer Park at uh, AstroTurf Fields down in Milwaukee uh, from 9 to 10 a.m., so three different sessions from just an hour long, not overtaxing kids. That's a good amount of time mm-hmm. for focus. Now, for $30, that includes all three sessions and a T-shirt. And then there's a little place on here for click to register. And um, so that goes through with what they've done. How does a state association pick up and become part of or get under the umbrella for USU soccer and the uh, top soccer program? So it sounds like what you were referring to was something that the state association itself was hosting for their top soccer athletes. So I would liken that to something like an ODP, you know, state program. So um, really with that's a statewide program, it sounds like open to any top soccer athlete, maybe even an athlete who's not part of top soccer and just saw something and wants to join. Um, Beyond that, each of our state associations will typically have a top soccer director. Um, like I'm the Illinois Youth Soccer Association okay. top soccer director. Ronnie Andrews is the top soccer director in the state of Wisconsin. So any local club or person that's interested in starting a program could go to the top soccer director um, as their first point of contact. And typically what I've done and, you know, I just took over for Sean Danhauser from in Illinois. So we've been doing this together, but we've had a few programs that are interested in starting in Illinois. And we've typically just scheduled a meeting with them to, you know, just kind of start the conversation about like the things you mentioned, identifying need. Are there already existing programs in your area? You know, just starting at the very base um, as, as a first meeting and then giving them a few tools to kind of get them on their way to um, either answering more questions, asking a few more questions, um, or maybe some are ready to go right away. So typically a club or organization would contact the um, state association top soccer director. If there's not one, they could contact their state association. And then from the state association, they could be pushed to our region directors. But um, most of our state associations have a designated top soccer director. So it does sound a lot like the, the same sort of uh, branches of a tree of the Olympic uh, development program. Okay, so talk to me, Shannon, as if I was a parent that heard about this and someone pointed you out on a, on a soccer pitch and just said, oh yeah, you go talk to her about top soccer program. So I'm a parent coming to you Tell me about, you know, maybe I've got my kid in tow and how would you handle that situation? Well, I think first and foremost, I would find out the, I would get the information from the parents so that we could add them to our email distribution list to let them know about our upcoming season. I would talk to them about our program. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, I really encourage anyone who 
is considering joining a team or is interested to just come out to one of our sessions. Um, like I said, there's no fee involved. Just try it out, see if they like it. Um, and if they don't, that's okay. If they do, we'll see them the following week. But you know, we do, I mean, there is some registration and paperwork. We like to collect medical information to make sure that there's nothing we need to be aware of. Or if, you know, there is medical information that we need to be aware of, we can um, pass that along to our buddies that are working with that player. But really, um, anyone who's interested, I would just encourage them to, there's actually a map on the Top Soccer website that kind of goes by state, and then it, yeah. it takes you to each state association, and then you can see all the programs in your state. So that's, you know, you can see geographically where there are programs that might be near where you're located. Oh, yeah, it's it's large. When I opened that, I was just blown away with the not just how many states, but how many clubs within the states. Yes. This is huge. And again... It's- I'm proud to be part of that organization and what you guys are doing. Yes. And it's, I feel like it's growing. I mean, I know alone here in Illinois, I've met with three different clubs since the start of the year that are interested in starting a program. So very cool. There you have it. And there's really, there's no number of kids to start a program, you know, um, programs. I know when we first started our program, I think we had maybe eight to 10 kids and we now manage between 50, 60, 70 kids in a oh, season. Wow. So, you know, really there's no specific number that you're looking for. Um, and you'll find that I think within the community of a lot of our players' families, they have a community and they have a network of other players who might be interested. So the next thing you know, you only had five or six kids and then you now you have 20 kids who want to play yeah. soccer. So okay. Well, that great. reminds me about soccer back in the early 80s when I first started going Whittle your way up to over a thousand kids in our our, our community. Um, so, you're a physical therapist in the school district. I am. Um, I take it the top soccer. I could tell Shannon just by listening to you. This is in your heart. Yes. I mean, this is really part of you, and I, I think it's natural for you to be doing that. Where do you see yourself, or what? Do you, where do you see yourself going with this? Could this? catapult you into some other direction? Do you think you've settled into where you're at? I mean, what's going to be happening for you personally now? Um, You know, I think I'm at the point in my life where I truly want to do things that continue to fill my cup. And like you said, are in my heart. And so, you know, top soccer is really at the top of the list. I wish I could do it every day, all day, but um, Mm. unfortunately... I have to do my other job, but, um, I do, no, I, I do. I think I'll just want to continue to be a part of it as, you know, as long as I can, I, I hope that we can continue to give every kid an opportunity to play soccer that wants to play soccer. And I think the beauty of top soccer is it's truly at the grassroots of the game. Um, as, As we've seen, you know, other, you know, we've seen growth with our extended national teams, um, in us soccer and, you know, top soccer might be the first entry point for some of the athletes that one day play for one of our extended national teams. And, That's you know, you never know which kid is going to come into your program that might end up playing, you know, on our seven aside para team, for instance. So I think for me, it's just making sure that we can capture as many kids as possible in our sport. And I think this is just one more vehicle to do it. So I hope I can be involved with it, you know, for the rest of my life. I, I, Hands down, USU soccer has somebody in you. I, you're, you've got this. Yes, uh, you totally got this. So, um, talking about shift in direction and things, we want to do this. 
We are now going to go into uh, uh, what we call as the road trip roundup with you, Shannon. And it's five questions about you and road tripping. Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling maybe something might be here dealing with uh, road tripping and soccer, but whatever. All right. Great. So question number one, Shannon, when road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners? Oh, definitely local diners if we can. Okay. Very cool. Definitely, definitely local diners. Okay. I would imagine, though, if you're on a team bus, <laughs> who can accommodate a bunch of kids, right? Well, I will say I've always been fortunate to have amazing team managers, and they find the best food places. So I don't know. We'll, I'll go with those okay. as much okay. as possible. Although as much been, as possible. I've been to Panera probably a thousand times. Okay. All right. As with okay. any soccer team. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not bad. I like that. Yes. All right. Number two, your dream car for a road trip. That can be something that you grow up grew up with in road tripping with family, something you have now or something you would eh, maybe even rent to go on a road trip? So I would say more recently in my adult li adult life, um, I've had a Jeep Wrangler. And I think I would have to say that's probably the most ideal, ideal vehicle for a road trip for me is a Jeep Wrangler, but the weather warm enough that I can have the top of the Jeep off. Okay. There you go. I, I was wondering if it was going to go towards the convertible. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Now, you're on the younger side. Maybe I'll throw this out there anyway. Last cassette or CD. Yeah, you'll fit there. Last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip. Oh, this is a you tough one. freaked out. <laughs> I, I, this is such a tough one. I cannot. Um, so Come on, throw a dart. Uh, um, Sister Hazel. What the heck music is that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're sort of, um, I don't know, they're just like one of my favorite bands of all time. Our wedding song was one of their songs. Like, I don't know. I just love them. So okay. Sister Hazel, good road trip music. Could you categorize Sister Hazel for me? Um, Like classic rock? No. No. Punk? Um, punk? No. Like, no? I don't know. I, no, I'm not. So here's the full, other full disclosure. I'm not like a super music person. Um, but what would I classify them as? Kind of like rock but not like hard or heavy metal or anything okay. like that. All Look right. them up. They're great. Okay. I, I will. <laughs> All right. All right. Four. Straight up. Coke or Pepsi? I have to say Coke. My grandfather worked for Coke. So if I say Pepsi, I, I would be disowned. Was he down in their corporate offices in Atlanta, Georgia? No, he was actually in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Wilkes-Barre. Okay. Yes. So I, like I have it. to say Coke. Okay. Although I don't think so, but still Coke. Uh, yeah, I understand. All right, last <laughs> one. You carry this wherever you want to, lady. All right? Okay. What's your favorite road trip memory? I would have to say my, I believe it was just my mom, sister, and I on a road trip someplace. I don't think my dad was with us, but I think it was just the three of us. And we talked about what we would do if we won the lottery. And I just, oh. we always, we always go back to that and it definitely <laughs> passed the time. So yeah, I would yeah. say that I'm still waiting to win the lottery though. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Still waiting. Right. Still waiting. Obviously. Somehow I have the feeling though, that even if you won a couple of mil or multiple mil, you'd still be doing what you're doing. A hundred percent. And it would all probably go back to top soccer. There you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. We're at the end of our show. I'm just going to say challenge, chillax, everybody. And Shannon, I want, I'm going to hit stop here in just a second, but you and I stay on for a couple minutes, okay? Okay, perfect. All right, thanks, kiddo. Thanks for listening. 
Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip. 